I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Boys, welcome back to another edition of the internet's number one fake history podcast, as decided by us. Don't listen to those people at the Our Fake History podcast; they're charlatans. Uh, <laughs> I'm the host of this episode, Ethan Palmer. With me is Peter O'Donoghue and James Miller. Hi. Why don't you guys say hi? Hi, my name is James <laughs> Miller, and I prefer my pizzas to be not in half. <laughs> not a fan of the calzone i see because surely you're just referring to a traditional calzone when you say fold a pizza in half i prefer the open-faced calzone yes okay good. ah yes okay, i see yeah <laughs> where you cut the pizza into four triangles and then and then you you let everything breathe a bit yeah. um i'm peter o'donoghue and my eyes are still wet from laughing off air at uh, jamie's misfortune <laughs> as we often do as we often do. as we yes uh what i like to do with my calzones is not open face them but i like to carve a face like a jack-o'-lantern Ooh, yeah ah uh, yes you tilt yeah. them sideways and they get like gooey cheese flowing out of the mouth it's very spooky <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh what holiday is that for the pe- the, the pumpkins are for halloween uh it's and easter the- obviously uh, right. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Calzone, when we all paint the bread on our folded pizza. Yeah. I think it's for when you're alone on Valentine's Day, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, that's, an, that's another kind of hole you carve into a calzone. Let it cool down first, okay? Because those hot pockets, <laughs> they get pretty hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I give up calzones for Lent every year, so it's always a nice treat on Easter to be able to enjoy them. Yeah, nice. Fat Tuesday is my last calzone of the year, and then or my last calzone of uh, the winter, and then I have a new one on Easter. <laughs> not, not to take us too far off track, but the reason why we're all laughing about pizza is I ordered pizza from Skip the Dishes, and the delivery guy thought it'd be a good idea to fold the entire box in half <laughs> and stuff it in his box, just like bag. like a book. Like he was like he was reading a book on the metro. He's like, I'm done with this, and shoves it back into his backpack after folding it in half. <laughs> He like dog ears a piece of pepperoni so he remembers where he was. <laughs> I just posted a picture of it too. And like all the toppings are on one side. I don't know how he thought it was a good idea. Just put it in announcements in the Discord. Yeah, just give it, give it to them. Yeah. Join the Discord, go to Lorelei slash about, and you too can see this awful pizza. Yeah. <laughs> the people who are already there will see it for maybe see it for a few days without any kind of context too, because they can't even they can't even comment in announcements and ask. But uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is an episode of the Lore Boys where we talk about, uh, fiction, I guess, in a, and we put our own little, uh, interesting view on it, like dog-earing a, a piece of pizza. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're not talking about calzones today as much as we would clearly love to. Um, we're talking about Magic the Gathering again. This is, uh, actually a part three 
in a multi-part retelling of the story of Elspeth Tyrell from Magic the Gathering. Um, the working t- title of this one is MTG Elspeth 3, Elspeth Again, in parentheses. Because <laughs> uh, Elspeth 2 really didn't talk about Elspeth at all. It talked about Ajani. Uh, Ajani Goldmane, Goldmane, Lion Boy. You got it, Pete. Uh, a character who we're not going to talk about at all on this episode. So, Oh, just cut that out when I mentioned him in that case. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. <coughs> I mean, it's, it's good that you remembered his name. I'll give you a bonus point. Let me just lick my pencil here and make a little yep, note. Thank you. He's uh, got a cool double-edged weapon with one side white, one side black, too. And uh, Jamie gets yeah. two points for that one because there's nice. two edges to his weapon, like you said. There's a white and a black, so two points for Jamie. Points from his brother. Uh, one, okay, well, point for Peter. Okay, so we're doing yeah. well in the points now, guys. Uh, don't don't blow your load too early, though. Plenty of points to grab out there, okay? <laughs> okay, okay. We'll yeah. get to the lightning round. You guys will have a chance to steal it. Uh, Willem Dafoe, fuck, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you guys haven't, uh, if anybody hasn't listened to the previous two Elspeth episodes, uh, you definitely should go back and listen to those ones before listening to this one. Another good episode to listen to, if you haven't listened to it already, would be the episode on Karn, the god of mathematical perfection. Uh, all the MTG episodes will be good, um, I guess, context for this one. The the Jessica, the five-part Jessica series uh, also ties into this one quite heavily, but none of them are as necessary as, I guess, Elf- Elspeth 1 and then, to some degree, Elspeth 2. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Pete remembers the name of Ajani, but uh, how much does he remember about our girl Elspeth? Uh, why don't you guys give us four points, of course, uh, we're oh. not, not into double lower voices, just regular lower voice right now. Uh, but what I remember you? this. Oh, okay, I, I think I want, I want to do it because I remember a lot from this one. Okay. Uh, so she starts off. She's in an eldritch uh, prison, and she's a plaything of those guys. Yep. Uh, she's stuck behind the bars, and they're they're messing with her. Then she finally pops, becomes a planeswalker. She goes to the land of law and order, where all the angels are around, and they they believe in law and order completely. Yeah, uh, the white area. Yeah, Bant. And I forget how she leaves Bant and ends up in the arena, though. Uh, okay, so um, you were so close. I was gonna be like, Jamie catches the golden snitch. He wins a hundred points. Uh, he, if you, if you had just gotten that last point, I would have been like, boom, gets a hundred points, and he ends the game in that one single move because uh, I think that's the most you've ever remembered about a previous episode's like actual context, not like the jokes <laughs> or the memes that we have. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I'm very proud of you for that one. Uh, so yeah, uh, from a world overrun by by Phyrexians, Elspeth um, leaves that, uh, finds herself on the plane of peaceful paladins, like you said, uh, only for it to be o- also overrun by a force of evil black aspected creatures. So there's this thing called the Maelstrom, uh, which kind of broke Alara, or Alara was kind of sectioned off into these five shards, and it kind of broke the divisions between those places, and black ended up spilling out into uh, her plane of white, uh, Bant, um she kills a couple of people uh malfagor the the original episode the subtitle is so long game malfagor i believe right. uh, yeah in reference to bowser uh i looked that up by the way apparently it's just so longa is is what the voice actor says but i refuse yeah. to believe it that's that's what chris martinet would like you to believe <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> uh but i think it's probably just like it's probably just a 90s thing or but i mean it could just be like bit crushed n64 yeah audio but it's just popular culture everyone exactly. says it it's like uh blinded <laughs> by the light it's revved up like a deuce but everybody says douche yeah yeah <laughs> like a douche. another roner in the night exactly uh, so yeah uh, when black the black creatures end up uh having their incursion into bant she fights them back 
But just seeing like the black creatures kind of makes her fall into this depression. She's like, you know what? Black's always going to cause strife and turmoil and ruin this like perfect little white corner of the multiverse that I had for myself. Uh, so she gets super depressed. Um, she does what we all do in times of turmoil. She turns her energy to beating people up in a gladi- gladiatorial arena. Uh, yeah, I thought she was going to go to Vegas and then always bet on red opposed to the common the common sense to always bet on black always bet on she black just play, she just burns away all her money on roulette i mean she's not also she's also not a huge <laughs> fan of red maybe she'd stick to craps because dice are white i don't know uh mm, yeah <laughs> uh not very orderly though i guess it's craps uh actually gambling <laughs> gambling in general now that i say i was like it's not very orderly because there's random chance but that's just gambling yeah. so gambling uh, would be like blue black though right because it's kind of like yeah. wisdom but it's also evil because you, you got card counters are blue aspected yeah i'd say odds, and then the odds house and would chaos. be black odds and chaos right so yeah. odds like mathematical odds that's very blue chaos is is more black i guess yeah uh cool. so what what aspect would a car accident be <laughs> um <laughs> what color is the car <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Uh, cause you know, uh, I, I, no, they're all primary colors. I was going to try and say like a blue car and a red car collide. That's a purple aspected car. Crash. <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be the cause of the accident. Like if you're not paying attention, you know, or if you're drunk or if, you know, your car, if, if, if your brakes, brake lines cut, right. If it's an assassination, like with the cause of the car accident would probably be the aspect. Yeah. It's Luigi. And he threw a banana peel while he looked at you menacingly. Well, what color is Luigi, Jamie? That's my question. For Green. You. Yeah. He's there you go. Green. There you go. Yeah. Okay. And bananas also life growing life plants, things like that. Very green aspected. So green again, yeah. uh, a car it's crash, black. a car crash caused by uh, Luigi Mario thro- uh, throwing a banana peel at you out of his cart race. Sir, uh, is definitely a green aspect in Car Crush. That's a, that's the little background on Magic: The Gathering in general lore and how the mana <laughs> system works. Uh, for Very the listeners cool. who didn't heed my advice and then skipped right to this third episode rather than listening to the last two, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Elspeth uh, ended up in this gladiatorial arena uh, until she came across a guy named Koth, whom she tried to kill until her friend Ajani intervened. So uh, we talked about Ajani on the last episode. Right. I remember why she wanted to kill him, uh, which you revealed in the first episode. If I could toss in the little yep, footnote. Yeah, hit me. Because um, she saw that he had a Phyrexian tattoo and mm-hmm. thought that he was working with them. But in reality, it was more like a memento scenario where yeah. he was just like, just so I never forget who I hate the most. Exactly. Exactly. Sort of thing. Um, <laughs> so we talked about Ajani. Last episode, we talked about Koth a bit at the end. Uh, do you guys remember where uh, Koth is from? He's red aspected. I know that he is red uh, aspected. I don't remember the name of the plane. Which one is one of them? Naya. Naya is one of the shards of Alara. Uh, okay. Koth is not from one of the shards of Alara. He's from a different I... plane altogether, uh, which we talked about on the Karn episode. It's the plane that Karn created. Uh, it's known as. It was originally known as Argentum, the plane of mathematical perfection. Uh, Karn left a, a sentient sentry in charge who ended up getting corrupted by Phyrexian oil called glistening oil and uh, turned it into Mirrodin. Uh, okay. Where Memnarch, who was the Mirari, but became Memnarch sentient, uh, ended right. up growing humans and like animals uh, in order to experiment on them and try and become a planeswalker himself uh, because he was fully mad from the Phyrexian oil. Uh, right, right, right. Okay. So that, <laughs> that's where Koth is from. Koth came from Mirrodin. 
uh, and he he was just kind of wandering the multiverse looking for a solution to the Phyrexian problem, had heard about Elspeth, presumably. Somebody said, hey, the only way to get in touch with her is to challenge her to a duel in the gladiatorial arena. He did so, and then uh, that's... that's <laughs> That's no socials. You need to make an arena account. It's like, all right, whatever. I'll do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she doesn't answer emails. You have to fight her in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> She's old-fashioned that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we ended the last episode talking about Koth and Elspeth getting to know each other, uh, venturing into a ruined structure called the Tomb of the Flesh. Uh, Koth had his stone shaping abilities. He created a bridge while Elspeth, you know, was in charge of the lights because she's white aspected. Uh, but the shadows of what she saw and the light that she cast uh, reminded her of the Phyrexians and of the evils of her past. Um, and so she ended. They, she ended up leaving that place. Was where I believe. Oh no, we didn't. We didn't end there. So then they left the Tome of the Flesh. They went to somewhere somewhere called the Heroes Memorial, and um, Koth prayed at something called the Stone Altar, uh, which told him that they needed to find a man named Venser. And that's right. That's where we yes. ended the last episode. It's yes. like you must find a man named Venser. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Go find me, Venser. As uh, if that, yeah. If the Wizard of Oz ended that way, <laughs> yeah. Go, uh, <laughs> go find me uh, another planeswalker. Is Dorothy a planeswalker? She did plane shift. Was oh, the, tornado was qualifies. The tornado. Her, that's, like, that's her spark. That's, that's, the tornado's like better. A better spark initiator than like some of the actual planeswalkers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh fuck you got bullied big deal like i i survived a natural disaster and my house was torn from its foundation yeah. and crushed or it, arguably somebody living in kansas yeah <laughs> equally traumatic yeah uh, little traumas versus big traumas right yeah uh, <laughs> so and then she killed somebody involuntary manslaughter exactly yeah her house landed smack dab on somebody's uh let's say face body arms and most of their legs yeah uh yeah pretty much all but their feet do you get elspeth card for only two dollars it's not that valuable probably i i don't know if there's a new one in the new set um the most valuable cards uh are usually ones that are good in like legacy formats um okay so there's one elspeth planeswalker which is quite good she's not like the most expensive uh uh, like the most valuable card in the world, but she does have some strong ones for sure. Um, and obviously, if you foil it, it becomes more expensive as well. Yeah, uh, but I don't, I don't really follow card prices all that closely. So. Seems like Elspeth Sun's Champion of Theros is yeah, the most that, expensive one. That's not, that sounds about right, honestly. Uh, I used to play um, when I played Magic the Gathering online. I'd play a lot of uh, Elspeth, and I, I I had a commander deck with her as my commander, so just like pure white. Uh, commander. Uh, it was good fun. Right. I love commander. Cool. Uh, so uh, Elspeth and Koth, united by their desire to destroy the Phyrexian invasion, uh, they decide to pair up and go on a jaunty little adventure to find the man named Venser. Uh, Venser was a man of Urborg, where Elspeth and Koth had met, uh, where the gladiatorial arena was. So that's kind of convenient. Uh, he was born after the Phyrexian invasion of Dominaria. So Urborg again is not. On Alara, uh, Elspeth left Alara to go to Dominaria, right? Right, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Dominaria, you'll remember that's where Jeska's from, where we did the entire Jeska arc, where we did Karn, where he was created, the Telerian Academy. Uh, that's where all the magic kind of like meets up, right? You can access all the magics from Dominaria. Yeah, most planes you can access all the magics, but it is like the s- center point of the 
Shards of Alara? The center point of all the planes of the multiverse is considered the central plane in, in Magic the Gathering canon. Uh, it's like, you know how on a spider web, if you just if you just break break it in just the right spot, it'll crumble to dust? It's just like that. If you break Dominaria, the entire multiverse will crumble to dust. Oh, okay. Well, if you have a very large, precise broom, yeah. and then you <laughs> yeah, can yeah. do the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's your animal fact of the day, is there's one weak point on every spider's nest, so or spider web. So go out there and start poking spider webs, people. Uh, <laughs> What's uh, the name of that that big evil guy that the Nico Bolas? Nico Bolas. Yeah. Okay, so he, like he had a ploy with a big broom coming at Dominaria one of these times. Yeah, he, I mean yeah. he does a lot. He's constantly swinging brooms at things. He's just okay. like a, <laughs> he's, he's like a he's like a broom ball player, and the the world is his ball. I guess you could say. Uh, <laughs> he was in disguise on that curling team once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's of course a hundred times taller than anyone in Newfoundland, but yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he he won. Well, yeah. Well, no, they got they, they won, but then they got disqualified because it turned out that he created a time rift at the where the the are they called pucks where the stones uh, meet at the end. I think it's just I rocks. Stone, yeah, yeah. rocks or stones. I think, but so. I yeah, they he almost got them off guard with his broom, but uh, he was yelling "hurry, hurry, hard!" and yeah. then all the planeswalkers heard him coming. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute, that sounds like Nicol Bolas playing curling. <laughs> i am actually really good at curling like i know your I, mom played a lot right yeah yeah, yeah. Just go to the it's club. one of those sports that i just got a really good touch for i mean i i believe it though seeing seeing the the gentle touch of your hands jamie having known them for so many years now i'm not surprised <laughs> you could feather those stones in uh, yeah my best sports are the ones you can drink through and you don't have to run yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at first, I was apprehensive because sli- uh, sliding is pretty close to running, but in the end, I was convinced. <laughs> <laughs> you just hold that lunging position and then yell at two guys who sweep. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Those guys yeah, kind of got to run, right? Did you ever yeah, have yeah, to do the sweeping shuffle. portion? The shuffle, uh, yeah, yeah, everybody does. I think like you always have to switch. Yeah, I played Skip, though, and Skip is the guy who gets to shoot last. So it's like the most cru- – you only coin- count the points at the end. Yeah, so yeah. the Skip gets the last rock. So if the Skip fucks up, the whole round's fucked up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to get the other team's rocks off. Yes, <laughs> and your rocks on. Yeah. With that gentle touch of yours, James. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> Uh, and there's your curling fact for the day. Bam, we're yeah. two for two. Sports facts, animal facts. You got everything here with the Lord Boys. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, if you listen to all of that, you could basically just cross the border into Canada and come buy some weed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Venser was a man of Urborg. Uh, much of his childhood was unknown. What we do know, his mother died before he could remember. His father died when he was very young, leaving him orphaned for much of his young life. As an adult, uh, he lived alone in a workshop in the middle of a swamp, not unlike Shrek. Uh, Good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that, that sucks. <laughs> Making a living. I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, just because Venser sounds like Fencer, I imagined him as kind of like a charlatan guy who has business connections, which is why they would have had to have found him. Uh, less so. Less okay. so. Yeah. Uh, more, not, in, not, more an inventor type. Not okay. more like Spencer, where he lives in like a white suburban home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, he's actually more like Tensor, where he's usually very anxious and like wound up, you know? Oh, uh, I see. <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. Uh, so he, he, as an adult, he would make his living as a scavenger, salvaging what leftovers of the Phyrexian invasion he could find. So his, his life was pretty much uh, Phyrexia had invaded Dominaria, which we talked about during the 
Jessica arc a bit, and I think we talked about it on the Yogmarth arc, arc quite a, quite a lot actually. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever dedicated a full episode to the Phyrexian invasion, but uh, we've kind of glanced off it a lot of times. Um, maybe we have, and I'm just forgetting it honestly. But I think it's been in the background of what I would imagine are most of the MTG episodes, just because it's a really it's like one of the pivotal events in the universe, right? Yeah, absolutely is. Uh, Pre-Gatewatch, which is something that we talk about a lot, yeah. where we're still, so there's, and this is something I kind of stumbled across today, which I, I fell down a rabbit hole researching. Uh, there's like old Planeswalkers and Neo Planeswalkers, uh, which, I mean, realistically speaking, probably just come from the fact that they printed different cards with different powers and they wrote these books and they gave them certain powers and then they decided they wanted to change all that canon. Uh, okay, yeah. So, like, old Planeswalkers uh, is mostly what we've talked about. We did, like, a Jace Bellerin episode who would be a new Planeswalker. Uh, new, new Planeswalkers are much weaker, uh, whereas old Planeswalkers are, are traditionally much stronger. They're, they're kind of like Greco-Roman gods where, like, they can be damaged, but they can always heal themselves. And if you kill them, there's a good chance that they just come back. Um, whereas new Planeswalkers are, like, mortal wizards that are just good wizards, you know? Okay, so not even uh, like Hercules or Achilles, like not even demigods or anything like that. Just, I mean, demigods in the sense that they can wield tremendous power and stuff like that, but they're not like immortal in the sense that like a knife could probably kill him. You know, okay, the new planeswalkers, okay. Jace Beller, and a knife could pro- knife could probably kill him. The trick is getting to him with a knife, right? Yeah. If you're looking for more lore boys on the Phyrexians, it looks like episode one twenty six, beans and blood everywhere. It's tagged Karn in the Phyrexian. Okay, uh, so it has Frexian <laughs> invasion in the, in the title. There you go. So I, there we go. I know we've definitely talked about it a lot. I, I don't know if it was like a part of the Karn episode. I don't remember what the like. Do we have another Karn episode then? I don't think so. I think we just did one Karn episode, but no, we uh, only have the one. Anyway, anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't even remember the point I was trying. Oh yeah, so uh, Venser was making a living after the Frexians invaded Dominaria, which like like we all agree. We have talked about the Phyrexians invading Dominaria before. Uh, they eventually were beaten back, uh, and he makes his living salvaging pieces of Phyrexian machinery and making little trinkets and, you know, quality of life devices and selling them to people and, okay. and you know, things like that. You know, uh, you can make a pretty decent watch once you boil off all the nightmare meat. And it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, ro- I made a Roomba, but it ate my cat. <laughs> <laughs> I keep uh, finding the Roomba on the bed with me. I don't know how it's getting up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I made a Roomba, and now I have two Roombas. I don't know where the second one came from. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, another thing that we've talked about in Dominaria was the time rifts, and that was the the whole Jessica arc was was Jessica getting to a point where she she led to something called the Great Mending, where there were these time rifts caused by the Phyrexian invasion, uh, which were tearing the plane apart. And she ended up ended up sealing them in something called the Great Mending uh, at the end of the Jessica arc. Um, okay, but we're kind of just before we're we're a little bit before that before Jessica finishes closing up the uh, the time rift before the Great Mending. So uh, there's a time rift above Urborg, above where Venser lives, uh, and and it's you know pretty oppressive in its own right, I guess, to have this like glaring black hole threatening to destroy you at any moment, just hovering above your head your entire life uh and his his life was was pretty hard like i said he was born an orphan he grew up in a swamp he continued to live in a swamp uh but he passed his time tinkering with horrible pieces of metallic flesh from the fiendish monsters which had once threatened uh all life in his world uh to pass the time right <laughs> uh, if only we could make like dry 
<laughs> okay, you both spoke at the same time. Sorry. I don't yeah. know what either of you said. Peter, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, he's not even like a merchant. He, His hobby is Phyrexian engineering? I mean, he makes a living, I guess. I, I don't know how. It just says like okay. that's what he did. Okay. What were you going to say, James? Or what did you say at the same time as Peter? It was like it was a a joke. So now it, it kind of feels off timing. But yeah. I was gonna say he makes all these things. If only he could make dry socks because he lives in the oh, swamp. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah. One thing we do know is in the morning he's making waffles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So he he did all right for himself uh, scavenging. I think scavenging is where he made his money, uh, and okay. I I think tinkering was something he did to occupy his time. Uh, so, like, the stuff that he couldn't sell, he's like, oh, I'll fiddle with. I'll see if I can make okay. something useful out of this thing that other people have deemed useless. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he finds uh, such rare items as two identical power stones, something we talked about during the Brothers War episode. Um, oh, that was years ago. <laughs> literally years <laughs> ago, probably. Uh, but any success in the peasantry is sure to draw the ire of the ruling class, a local lord known by the name Windgrace, took notice of Venser's activity, activities, and they began feuding. Uh, so he finds these power stones, he uh, sells them, or I think actually he probably keeps them to use uh, on a device that he's trying to get working. And somebody yeah. somebody notices that, they're like, well, that's not right, that, that peasant shouldn't be finding gold or panning for gold in the rivers that I own. Uh, Trying his socks over this heating stone? Come yeah. on. <laughs> um, so Lord Windgrace led an order of warriors who had taken an oath to protect Urborg against all artifice and magical machinery. So you can imagine why they didn't see eye to eye with the guy who loved to harvest and rebuild artificial and magical machinery. Uh, yeah. So he was kind of like, yeah, you know, we, we saw the Phyrexian invasion. I'm going to lead an order of warriors called the Windgrace Acolytes. Uh, and we're going to, you know, stop uh, magical machinery from ever threatening our plane again. And this guy's like, well, all that old machinery that threatened all life in our world, I'm going to tinker with it and see what I can build out of it. <laughs> I, I built I'm not two, a wizard. I cannot control it. I built two Roombas, but I don't know how. um so it was a harsh life for vencer one that he hated uh he wasn't he wasn't content i guess you could say uh, out there in the swamp uh as a result his greatest dream was to escape the fetid swamps of his home what do you even eat out there like do you like spearfish for catfish and like pluck flies out of venus fly traps you you noodle for catfish oh yeah you use your fist eh yeah you use your fingers as bait yeah. You can also, if you find a catfish hole, you can put toothpaste into their hole and mix it up, and the toothpaste agitates them, so they'll come out of the hole, and that's when you grab it. <laughs> that's odd. <laughs> I saw someone do it online. Okay, we are overloading with animal facts here. You guys are not getting <laughs> animal facts next week, okay? We've got, you got yeah. two so far. Well, they don't they don't have teeth, so that would make sense. They probably just panic. They don't know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to- <laughs> toothpaste? How dare you? <laughs> Taunt me with what I can never have. <laughs> Uh, yeah on another note this Venser guy's got a real Harry Potter story going on he's he's kind of stuck in a place he doesn't want to be and his uh, Hagrid or Elspeth's about to come along and save him I think <laughs> uh, we, got a, we got a while to go before we get to Elspeth saving him but he will have a Hagrid figure uh, he is still in the swamp closet under the swamp stairs at the yeah, moment <laughs> yeah. uh, so he, he's like I want to I escape uh, I want to escape Urborg I want to get out of here don't know how to do it, but I know how to tinker, so I'm going to make a magical teleportation device. Uh, and he, he gets kind of a working prototype model, uh, you know, safe enough to send frogs through, but not safe enough to send them through alive at the other end. 
Oh yeah, that he he, oh. he dubs the ambulator. Um, uh, they all croaked, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I quit. <laughs> he has uh, some uh, kind of Ariel vibes from The Little Mermaid. Oh, uh, Venser? Oh, you're looking. Yeah, at oh. he's kind of like no, not what he looks like. Just this his kind of story. He's like oh. kind of not happy with his lot in life. He kind of tinkers and collects all these forbidden objects because Neptune hates humans, right? So forks are illegal. So, like, <laughs> but, but Neptune wields a giant fork. Yeah, but he's king of, <laughs> he's king of the snarflat or whatever the fuck it is. So, yeah, I, if if, he, if Venser has an "I want" song, he just is a Disney princess. <laughs> I, uh, I I won't lie, I haven't seen uh, the Little Mermaid, so. That that's what? why that comparison was completely lost on me. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so he makes this thing called the Ambulator when his uh, Hagrid decides to show up. So he'd had little success with it, actually getting into work without the frogs croaking. Until the Planeswalker Teferi and the Artificer Joyra, uh, whom again are from the Karn episode. So they were Karn's only friends in Magic High School. That I guess yes, I, Karn, I also kinda a a Harry, Karn also kind of had a Harry Potter arc there where he went to Magic <laughs> High School. Um, yeah. If you'll remember, he like the time rifts ended up destroying Teleria. Uh, Joyra was trapped under rubble, uh, thought dead for 20 years, but Teferi had created a time bubble to protect her. Because Teferi is a very powerful planeswalker. Uh, right. Joyra, yeah. Joyra was an artificer. Um so 20 years later, Karn, Karn finds it. Then he, they end up sending him back in time to stop the Time Rifts from ever opening. And, and they were infiltrated by a Phyrexian, right? Yeah, there, there was an inf- uh, a Phyrexian at the high school or whatever. That was the, the, that artwork, actually, of the episode that Jamie was looking at was the how do you do yeah. fellow kids? And it was like a Phyrexian as Steve Buscemi, yeah. <laughs> the meme. <laughs> the but, one I was looking at is a robot like going into the stomach of, uh, of like an undead type thing. Oh. I might have had a different episode. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe we did do t- t- another episode for that then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Teferi and Joyra uh, show up in this, this swamp in, uh, in Urborg. Uh, they're they're kind of just looking at the time rift um, above his head uh, when they kind of hear about this like podung inventor diddling out in the woods with powers that should not be meddled with. Uh, and they're <laughs> like, well, let's go check it out. Um, so he was building... Uh, an ambulator or rebuilding an ambulator, but he did not invent the ambulator. Uh, so the device that he was uh, piecing back together were planeswalking devices first used by Phyrexians. So uh, this thing that he's that he's you know trying to reverse engineer out of uh, swamp debris um, was something that the Phyrexians actually used as part of their invasion uh, like inc- invasions, I guess. Okay, okay, where it was, okay. they were devices that would let them jump to other planes and begin the infestations there. How convenient that all the Phyrexian technology is made of wood that smells kind of weird. <laughs> so his like swamp resources are all really helpful. <laughs> but, so I guess he was. I, I don't know if this is a part of the story. He was collecting debris and happened to find enough pieces of enough ambulators to build a an ambulator that can at least kill things. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe he, you know, knew that the Phyrexians came from another plane, so he's like, well, if they can do it, then, you know, the the answer's got to be here somewhere, whatever yeah. it is. Uh there was something to him that that let him know that for sure something was guiding him and he was like, you know what? This is going to work. If I just keep working on this, I'm eventually going to get one. Um and uh he kind of 
so he, he is a planeswalker but his spark is still latent so he hasn't uh oh, okay. hasn't planeswalker popped magic puberty yet okay uh but it's probably that which is kind of guiding him and saying like so he has the ability to planeswalk and he's like if i put these pieces together in this way like that's right that's what planeswalking is and he, he kind of just okay. knows that inherently is i think the uh the in-canon explanation for how he, he assembles this Lego set without the instructions. Yeah, so when he's watching Space Jam, like he's not, he hasn't hit puberty yet, but he knows Lola Bunny. There's something there. There's something there. <laughs> There's something there, you know? Yeah. He's like, oh, I don't know what that, I like that character. It's a, it's a girl character, so that's weird. I normally don't like girl characters because I'm a young boy, but I like Lola Bunny. That's weird. Yes. That's weird. Okay. Okay. There's uh, there's rumblings in his in his spark grundle, basically. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, he he's building this device to to transport him out of small town swamp life on Urborg, um, and and Teferi shows up one day. This this powerful planeswalker who's here to investigate the the time rift above his home, and he's like, oh, what what you working on there, kiddo? Hmm, Space Jam, huh? Uh, <laughs> So uh, while showing an interest to ferry the device, uh, he did what we all do when we're in that, that pubescent stage and activates prematurely. Uh, oh. <laughs> somehow sets off a chain reaction in the rift above them. Venser, Teferi, Joyra, and a few others who are along for the group that we won't uh, dump names on you with were whisked away into the uh, time rift, being thrown haplessly through the network of rifts only to emerge on the shores of a kingdom called Madara, a kingdom once ruled by a little dragon known as Nicol Boles. Um, Uh-oh. So it's in Dominaria. Uh, it's this kingdom called Madara, uh, and it, it was one where, where Nicol Boles was king for a time. Um, however, at the moment, when they first arrive, the wayward dragon had kind of become stuck, and he didn't have a step bro to help him out, you know? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so a powerful warrior named Tetsuo Umazawa had sprung a trap on Bolas and robbed Bolas of his power for their fight. Um, so I, I would love to uh, go into this this story deeper. Uh, basically, he takes him to a uh, what's called the meditation plane, uh, where where he's like, "Oh, you want to you want to fight me, Nicol Bolas? You so tough? Come to my home plane and fight me there." And Nicol Bolas is like, Psh, "Sure, okay." And he goes there, and this guy spent a lot of time meditating, and he's like, "Yeah, physical powers don't mean shit on a plane of pure thought, dumbass." Uh, so your dragon oh. form doesn't count for anything. And basically, uh, springs a trap on him, uh, strips him of his adva- advantages as a planeswalker, a sorcerer, and a dragon, uh, forces to battle him in a realm where uh, uh, Umazawa had a significant edge. Bolas was defeated and apparently killed. But we know that's not entirely true, because like I said, Gre- Greco-Roman gods never really killed, right? Uh, uh, yeah, he's pre Planeswalker Neo, so he's from yeah. the old anime. He's yeah, yeah. so he can just come back no matter how many times he fucking yeah. wants. I mean, if, okay. I think in theory, uh, Elspeth is as well. Uh, Koth is as well. Um, I think all of these are like old old Planeswalkers. Um, I know okay. I know Venser is. I think Venser is one of the last ones that's considered an old Planeswalker before we knew, we shift to the new meta of new Planeswalkers. Okay. Uh, so as a result of Bolas's connection to the temporal rifts. Um, whatever that connection may have been, I, we'll do a like a Bolas series someday where we'll just go through the entirety of Bolas's life, and we'll probably touch on all these stories that we've told so far. But uh, because of his connection to the temporal rifts, a uh, ghostly remnant of his life force uh, still lingered by the Madaran coast, trapped between the material world and the meditation realm. However, okay. 
uh, as the temporal rifts expanded, as as we know they do because they're growing and threatening Dominaria on the whole, uh, he he's getting stronger. He's uh, he's able to manifest in Madara again as uh, an immaterial shade, so he can kind of appear as a ghost who calls himself Sensei Ryu, uh, and now he's kind of leading the people of Madara uh, as as kind of this like voice in everybody's head he's like i'm i'm the king of this this country and you guys should all worship and respect me because i can speak at all of your heads at once and everybody's like that sounds about right honestly yeah <laughs> okay yeah so everybody in the everybody on this planet is having the same dream every night and now they realize it's like something is very amiss <laughs> if you guys if you guys could say one or two sentences to everybody on earth at once i was thinking of this reddit thread too <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what would it be <laughs> Oh man! Uh, your neighbor is going through your DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> My DVD collection. <laughs> Pete, Listen, like, like everybody in the Earth at once receives this telepathic message. Uh, What's what? it gonna be, Pete? Oh yeah, all I could think of was just uh, just like shitty marketing. Just like, hey, check out Lore Boys. Podcast. Oh my god, you might like it. Uh, mine would be uh, Willem Dafoe had to have a penis double on the set of Antichrist because his penis was too large. Oh yeah! Tell everybody in the world that. I'm surprised Jamie wasn't also giving hot dog facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some good ones. I I don't know if if is there anything you could do that would really be like a net positive for the world? Hey, like gonna, it, dude, you could just send like a good message, like you're gonna be okay. Uh, yeah. Buy Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, go for a run. You know, set up straight, drink water, Hi- hydration check. <laughs> <laughs> what if you like said there is an afterlife and how you treat others matters? Oh, would that help? Oh, yeah, that things way worse. Who knows? That'd probably be good. Uh, maybe it'd be bad because a lot of people believe that, and a lot of bad comes out of it anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you play the numbers, you think more people would be good? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Everybody no, on Earth. No way to tell. All we know is that Nicola Bolas wasn't thinking of good whenever he was dominating the kingdom of Madara. No hydration check. Everyone's drinking. Everybody's drinking fucking Coca-Cola yeah, all the yeah, time he's, on Madara. He's, he's letting them all slouch. No posture checks. No hydration. Oh, this, yeah. Yeah. Diet Fanta all around. Yeah. <laughs> Exercise is a myth. That's just what he whispers in everybody's head. And... <laughs> Better quit curling then. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too much sliding for me. Uh, <laughs> breaking a sweat. Uh, so he, he's an, an immaterial shade uh, who's hanging out uh, with some connection to the uh, temporal rifts when he senses that the planeswalker Teferi uh, was lost in a rift. Um, and he's like, oh, I, I sense Teferi. That's a powerful planeswalker who I've, you know, been aware of in the past. Lost in a time rift. He's like, oh, and he's got some people with him, including one guy who I sense is a planeswalker who's Hasn't hasn't had his spark pop yet. Um, I see some abuse coming. Oh, I'll just pluck him out of the time stream. Yeah, so he, he plucks him and, and the rest of the group, everyone but Teferi, out of the time stream uh, using Venser's latent planeswalker spark. So he basically whispers sweet nothings into Venser's ear, uh, gives them all you know this sweet talk, and then uh, uses uses them and leaves them out to dry. Uh, but he he's able to escape his prison, be fully reborn into the physical world, regaining his body by pulling a copy of it through the rift from an earlier point in time. That's the beauty of time rifts, right? Is they just oh. uh, the ultimate Deus Ex Machina. 
So he grabs a younger, sexier Nico Bolas from the <laughs> yeah, path. Exactly, yeah. Before awesome. he got that tattoo that he regrets. So. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah frankly, <laughs> he probably could have. He's powerful enough to have gotten r- rid of it earlier. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I love Demomneria or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah to, uh, Bolas and do- plus Dominaria forever or something. <laughs> Bol- Bolas plus Urza for life in a big heart. Um. So, so this is bad. Obviously, if you've listened to any of the other uh, Magic the Gathering episodes, we know Michael Bolas is, is a bad guy. Some would say the bad guy of uh, the Magic the Gathering universe. Certainly at this point in the time, uh, he's not a good dragon. Um, and now he's regained his form, and he's looking at this party of, of you know an artificer, uh, a couple of latent planeswalkers, uh, and he's like, well, you know, what What do I do after 10,000 years of, of imprisonment in a time rift where time is meaningless? Get, out of your neck. Uh, get, get some the, food. Get, get the creek out of your neck and get some food. And, uh, you know, what dragons eat, they sometimes eat people. Uh, you know. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Faced by the impressive Nicol Bolas, the, our party's looking a little worried when Teferi arrives just in time to save him. Or try, at least. Uh after Teferi located his companions, he challenged the dragon to a duel in an effort to stay Bolas's gratitude, as he calls it. Uh, he was like, I, to give you my gratitude, I'll kill you now, uh, which is weird. But <laughs> <laughs> Bolas uh, easily won the challenge, uh, absorbing and planeswalking away from Teferi's attacks. Uh, after he beat him, he tortured him with his mind-shattering touch and ripped his body to pieces. So, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> ripped Teferi. Uh... While Bolas was taunting Teferi's allies with the defeated planeswalker's head in his claw, the dying Teferi shared his knowledge of the collapsing planes with him, and he was made aware of the severity of the rift problem. Oh, not decapitated. He was, like, holding him up and, like, dangling no, no, him around. De- decapitated. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, his, his severed head. Um, like I still transmitting to his buddies? Again, Gre- Greco-Roman gods. Okay. He's just, yeah, yeah, he's ahead and he's talking. Urza, as as we know, after the uh, the Silex blast, which ended the Brothers War, uh, was a permanently ahead. He was maybe the yeah. most powerful planeswalker of all time and he's just a floating head now. That's, that's how he's the strongest head in magic. Yeah. God of War, dude. You chop off that tree guy's head and you just keep it on your belt and he tells you fun stories. You do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you do it in three as well with Helios, the god of the sun, right? right? And you yeah, use him as a lantern. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this time his, his gratitude is, is worth a little more though. So Teferi's like, Hey, I know you're going to kill me, but just so you know, the multiverse is about to collapse and I might be the only person smart enough to stop it with your help. And he's like, okay, I won't kill you then. So, uh, on a little necklace, yeah. just like threads, threads, like fishing line through his ears and puts them on <laughs> and he doubles as a lantern. So it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, and trivia about Norse mythology. <laughs> now, uh, Bolas is like, I'm going to go fix it myself, but I'm going to let you live because this time his gratitude is worth something positive, I guess. I, I, I don't really know why. Uh, he allows the dismembered mage to heal himself. So Teferi's, boom, takes a, you know, walks it off. Uh, no legs, walks it off and uh, <laughs> you know, has a has a nice bag, refreshing bag of Sprite and uh, he's as good as new, basically. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, somebody has to, like, obviously, like, uh, Venser has to hold it up to his head with a Capri Sun straw in it. <laughs> exactly. Like, Drink, my friend. Uh, yeah. uh, you, you don't need water, uh, just yeah. Sprite. <laughs> like that voice in the head has been telling us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, no, 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 water's actually terrible for you. You need sugar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, the bubbles are the nutritious part. Come on. I know they burn your tongue. <laughs> 
um, I'm surprised Nico Bolas didn't just destroy him. I'm I'm surprised that like gratitude is worth anything to him. I mean, considering it, how evil he is. Yeah, I think it's one of those things like. Uh, you you can't just write off. Uh, maybe they wrote themselves in a corner. I don't know. I I gotta assume this was all one book that this happened in, like one novel. Okay. Um, but maybe it's a thing they they wanted to 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 have to show the power of Teferi or the the convincing power of Teferi. I think Joyra herself as well, not a planeswalker, had a big part in convincing uh Bolas. So he's very okay. he's very evil, but he's very lawful evil, where he's like intelligent and calculating, and you know he's usually not willing to do stuff without some benefit for himself yeah uh, so i guess he sees teferi fixing the rift problem for him while he goes off to do his own thing is worth keeping him alive you know yeah he's not like a complete psychopath there's like methods to yeah like, ex- ex- okay. exactly he's not cha- uh, chaotic evil he's he's lawful evil uh, so bolus leaves he swears a vow to take a terrible vengeance on anyone related to the umazawa line the tetsuo uh, umazawa who had imprisoned him uh, yep. And anyone who had ever aided or come into contact with anybody from the Umazawa line, uh, <laughs> then presumably left for Kamigawa, where Umazawa was from. Uh, that son of a bitch, uh, skip the dishes driver who brought Umazawa a pizza yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Folded in half. Yeah. Fuck that guy up. <laughs> uh, uh, you've you've seen the art of Japanese uh, origami. Now now witness the art of Japanese pizza gami. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's like a pizza but in half yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like folding up into a greasy swan you're like oh god i hate I, this uh, <laughs> i mean i would love it if i got a calzone in the shape of a swan i would lose my fucking mind man yeah that sounds amazing uh, <laughs> i can't think of a way where it would just stay upright it would just be so droopy <laughs> If you had a crispy enough crust, yeah. you could probably just like fill it kind of like a deep dish in the shape of a swan, like right. Yeah. 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 Well, we need our best lore boys pizza scientists getting on this. Honestly, <laughs> I've worked hungry. in like a couple different pizza shops, so I'll, I'll get to I'll get to work. I'll see what yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, got a, tinker you got a new you got a new role, Jamie. You're not on the air anymore. You're the pizza guy now. <laughs> All right, pizza, pizza scientist, Jamie James Miller, pizza scientist. <laughs> Got it. Uh, so Bolas leaves to go hunt down presumably everybody in Kamigawa because if anybody, if you know anything about genetics, you go back a couple generations and suddenly everybody's related to everybody. Uh, so he's trying to like um, he he's doing the classic time travel story. No, he's just going to travel to the past and kill this guy's parents, right? Basically, no, he's not in the time rift. I don't know if he's like apprehensive about going back to the time rift now because okay. he was kind of trapped in there, like by it for again. If you're in a yeah. time rift, is time consequential? Maybe he was in there for an infinite amount of time before popping back out. Maybe, right. it, yeah. maybe that didn't make him happy, you know. Um, but he leaves is the important part. Uh, finally, with a moment to assess the situation, the group uh, decides that their best bet to get back to Urborg was not to take the uh, time rift express, uh, which had brought them here, but instead to use Venser's ambulator, uh, assuming they could finish it. So. When I first read about the ambulator, I pictured, you know, uh, some big, large planes traveling, you know, portal or something like that. It seems much simpler because he had it on him. Uh, I, and I I love the the idea of them, like, chatting on the beach, like, oh, damn it, we need to find a way to get back home. If only we still had Venser's ambulator. Like, oh, that's okay. It's right here. He just, like, pull, pulls out a Rubik's Cube out of his pocket. <laughs> yeah, I was imagining it as, like, 
a hoop with like steps to like that you'd walk through yeah. to have like a man-sized portal basically Precisely. yeah i was picturing the one from jack and daxter since you start off in a swamp and need to get enough precursor orbs to get it going there too <laughs> but, yeah so uh, it's small. It's like a Rubik's cube in his pocket, kind of thing. I, I mean, presumably. It, I, I didn't. Uh, I haven't read the novels. Um, you know, so I did the research. Okay. But uh, he had it on him, or he brought it with him. He also. They also used it. Uh, like they activated it when they got sucked into the time rifts. So I'm wondering maybe it was big and it just got sucked in with them, and it was kind of sitting derelict where they'd landed uh, all okay. this time. But I, I don't know for sure. Or they traveled to a future where people have reduced the size of the ambulator to fit in your pocket. Yeah. It's like a. 70s computer to iPhone sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, so they, they get to work. Um, before long, they were able to travel back to Urborg, uh, where they got up to the usual shenanigans of making enemies of royal figures and being an all-around uh, incel. Uh, Venser is uh, considered a really weird figure, especially from what I can tell during this part of his, uh, his arc. So if you look up Venser, uh, anytime you look up the lore, there's always some people calling him like a complete shitheel of a character and not because he's evil, but just because he's like a whiny piece of crap uh, oh, okay. with like big incel vibes. Um, so he ends up like falling in love with Joyra uh, and like the first, like this guy named uh, Jodat, I think, or J- Joda uh, shows up. Who's like an older planeswalker. Who's like very powerful. And I guess Joyra probably, you know, talks to him and that makes Venser extremely jealous and like super, super petulant. So he like stomps off and sulks in his like cabin in the woods or whatever. He's like, oh, they they fucking hate me. Um, (laughs) You know what? Like she never goes for nice guys. I'm a nice guy. You know, she only likes the douchebag. That that seems to be the vibe on Venser. So, okay. We can only like douchebags with that don't have damp floors. Like, (laughs) 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 <laughs> you can't have a foundation in the swamp. It's just boards. <laughs> exactly. Um, so they, they got... Um, no, that's not where I was. So uh, there was kind of a funny moment uh, where they're like, okay, we need to figure out what's going on in Dominaria. We need to figure out how to solve the rifts, which a lot of people were doing at this point. We know Karn was doing it. We know Jessica was doing it. We know like all these people are trying to solve this problem. Uh, and they're like, okay, well, we should find Karn. Karn can definitely help us here uh, because he can travel through these rifts uh, or a lot of rifts without issue because he's a machine, which we kind of covered in the car episode where he goes back. They send him back in time because he's a machine and isn't subject to the same laws of nature that a, a flesh person is. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, he doesn't age for one. So he's kind of better at time than us, than like we meet people would be. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I prefer you didn't call people flesh people. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meat sacks. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So there, there was kind of a funny moment. Like I said, he was making enemies of other uh, royalty. Uh, there was this one guy called the Weaver King uh, who really didn't like Venser. And the Weaver King specifically, oh. it seems like he didn't like Venser because um, because he just didn't like people. He's, he's like one of those bad guys. Like He's chaotic evil where he's like, I'm bad because being bad is great. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's this guy who like, and he's like, oh, there's this new guy, Venser. I'm going to make him money subject or whatever. I'm going to torment him. And he's like, we're going to be rivals. And I guess Venser was like, okay, we're rivals now. Um, but he's like, so they're trying to find Karn. So Joyra puts out a call for Karn. And, and again, I don't know what that is. If she like sets up like a radio tower that starts broadcasting a signal or what? Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hootie hoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's big bird noises in the woods for, for weeks. <laughs> 
Uh, the woods is the most confusing place to make bird noises because there's naturally bird noises there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just like whenever they have those crossing lights for people who are like yeah. visually impaired. Yeah. What if a bird lands on a a crossing post and starts singing? <laughs> well, I why mean, wouldn't you use something that can't happen in nature? Do they do they sound like birds? The only ones I've I ever really heard don't. are like boop beep, boop beep. No, no, there's ones that are actual bird tweeting. Oh yeah, yeah. That's very, that's ridiculous. That's, that's terrible idea. That seems ridiculous. Yeah, in Lennoxville they had them, and they were it was just birds tweeting, and it, it really seemed dangerous. <laughs> I think it would like depend on birds around. Like if you had something that could actually mimic noise, then yeah, that'd be ridiculous. But like, I mean, what are like the the seagulls gonna do it here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, things tweeting has to be one of the most destructive forces of the last decade, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> look at all them ticking. Yeah. <laughs> So, so there's this guy called the Weaver King who uh, had the ability to, he, he was in every, he was able to read the thoughts of anybody in Urborg. Uh, they called him the Weaver King because he set up a, a weave of, or, or a web, like a spider's web, of people's thoughts that were all interconnected and he could poke in anybody's thoughts. So he, he realizes that Joyra and Venser are doing this, so he hatches a plan. He's like, oh. I'm going to impersonate Karn and summon Venser to my own plane here. So he summons him. And then uh, the real Karn sho- shows up to Jaira's call, and Jaira's like calls Venser, and he's like, "Hey, dude, where are you?" And Venser's like, "Oh, I'm in, I'm in a plane with Karn. I found him. I'm about to ask him some questions that we had for him." And Jaira's like, uh, "Karn just showed up at my place." <laughs> and so it was like a real uh, Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme moment. Where it's like, oh, okay, wait, yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, he ends up killing the Weaver King. Uh, that's that's so why where, which one was the real Karn though? The real Karn, the one with Joyra. The real Karn was the real Karn. Yeah, the one, the one with Joyra. The one with Joyra. So he, yeah. he he went he went to answer the Weaver King's prank call. The Weaver King crank called him and he killed him as a result. So, oh. uh, <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, so um, when Karn does eventually appear, Venser goes with him into the Blind Eternities and helps him to close the Tolarian Rift. Venser is the last person who would see Karn before his disappearance. Probably why the stone altar told uh, Elspeth and Koth to go find him, right? Oh, yes. So it, so I was completely wrong about who this character was, but the altar did tell him to go find Venser because he would have important information. Just yeah. I figured he was like a idea. He was like a broker of ideas more yeah. than anything, or an information broker. No, no. He's, uh, he's the last guy to see Karn alive. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun. Or dead. Um. So some years later, Karn was working on a machine similar to his ambulator, but one with more style. He was using Phyrexian salvage to create a vessel capable of plane shifting. So where it was either a Rubik's Cube or steps leading up to an arch before, now it's like a, a sick airship that can travel between uh, planes, basically. Using, okay. Yeah, that's wild. Using Phyrexian salvage. Okay. <laughs> Held up by planks of wood and empty oil barrels in the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, back to Elspeth and Koth. Uh, you guys remember where we left them, right? They're at the Heroes Memorial. And they need to find Venser in all the whole wide multiverse, as far as they're concerned. Uh, it's a pretty tall task, right? To yeah, track this guy down. Start? Where do you start? So, they start where anyone would. They ask a janitor at the Heroes Memorial if they had ever heard of a man named Venser. Uh, the janitor responds that he's actually the member of an order known as the Windgrace Acolytes, whom you might remember. 
uh, because their leader was intensely interested in Venser's workings and that, yes, the janitor knew where Venser was. That is such video game (laughs) shit, dude. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) the temple that they were in, that the stone altar, like, I like to picture it wasn't even the stone altar that answered Koth's prayers. It was just a guy behind the altar just, like, whispering, like, you gotta find a guy named Venser, dude. (laughs) We're not not supposed to tell you because my boss would be really mad, but you gotta go find a guy named Venser. Um, completely dare like there's no one in the temple whatsoever one guy pushing with the broom though yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the answers yeah, right? exactly um so the duo's like okay perfect we'll go see this fencer uh they arrive as he's midway through the reconstruction of what to them looks like a phyrexian airship uh which he said he was trying to improve by giving it the ability to also plane shift so we know Elspeth and Koth are a little triggered by uh phyrexia and phyrexian machines and the phyrexians in general yeah, it's like, I don't know what your guys' problem is. I've just been fucking with it for literal years. <laughs> I, I never saw a problem. Yeah. Uh, of the two, Koth and Elspeth, of course, Elspeth is slightly more level-headed. Koth is a red planeswalker, after all. Quick to anger. Yep. Uh, so when it became obvious, Venser had no idea the powers he was meddling with. He was born after the, the Phyrexian invasion. Uh, Koth flew it to a rage and encased his head in a stone mask, coercing him to walk to Mirrodin, Koth's home. So, okay. He's like, fuck you, buddy. I'm encasing your head in stone, and I'm not letting you out until you come look at my home and what these di- things did to where I'm from. Okay, so he's basically got the blindfold for a surprise, but he earthbended it? Yeah, I, it's more, I don't think blindfold for a surprise, more like a black bag during a kidnapping, you know? Like, okay, okay, yeah. I'm actually, like, you know when they have prisoners and, like, uh, the guards walk with a stick and the prisoners are, like, tied to the stick kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, Around except it's just, yeah. like, his face stone, like, yeah, and he's, yeah. like, trying to shuffle along with the stick as they like, the, like a dog catcher with, like, the stick with, like, the wire hoop on the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the ring. Mm. If they both go up a hill on both sides, you can't touch the ground kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Elspeth was appalled at the sudden violent act, but Koth did not care, stating simply that he had no choice. He appealed to her once more to come and help him to atone for her mistake. Uh, he did not wait for her answer, leaving her to make the decision herself. Elspeth, yeah. Elspeth decides, in for a penny, in for encasing a guy's in head and stone and taking him hostage, <laughs> right? <laughs> You put air holes in, like, the nose part of the rocks, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be the worst? You get all the way to Mirrodin, you, you crack it open just to find that he suffocated? <laughs> He's <been dead> for hours. <laughs> uh, so Elspeth followed Koth with his involuntary guest, uh, finally seeing the lands of Volshock, which are Koth's people, called home. Uh, despite his dire warnings, she saw nothing particularly threatening, and Venser continued his tirade against the Geomancer. So they get to Koth's home, uh it doesn't look good uh, you know it's the, there's lots of weird you know mechanical stuff going on but it doesn't look like the phyrexians to elspeth uh vencers obviously really pissed at him for bringing him here and forcing him here and taking him hostage and all these things <laughs> yeah uh what did you expect to show me that would make me come out of this rock coffin not mad yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that this is the type of guy that girls like. It's the one that puts my face in stone masks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's going to start white knighting the white knight Elspeth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Koth breaks off his argument with the with Venser and I guess to a lesser degree with Elspeth because they get there and it's like, hey, you know, there's machines here, but they're not evil machines. These, these aren't Phyrexians or whatever. And he's like, 
there's uh there's conflicts raging across the surface and there's something dark happening here itself he's like i've seen phyrexians here i know they're here they're planning something something's going on uh so koth is like i have a friend that can that can help us find the true enemy let's go talk to him they don't end up finding him they end up finding the spread of something called the methadroth which is just a swamp of sludge hazardous chemicals and waste uh mixed with a couple uh corroding metals in there uh and he found this stretching farther than he ever could have possibly imagined. So it was kind of a, th- a thing when he was there, but it seems like the swamp is like spreading, like it's expanding. Is it like a Phyrexian dump? Is this where they get rid of their waste? Uh, so again, like Memnarch kind of turned this this whole plane into a testing ground to try and create planeswalkers and create life that could generate planeswalkers and things like that. So okay. I guess when he created the what his version of a swamp, which was dump acid all over a bunch of metal... Uh, however he did it, he made it so that it grew and replicated. Like there's some kind of fungus there. Um, so Elspeth sees this and she's like, you know what? This is more like what I remember. And that makes me sad. So, uh, I'm going to leave. So Venser and Koth have been arguing for days now while they walk through, uh, Meriden and Elspeth, uh, much like when she saw the shadows in the tomb with Koth is like, this is all too much for me. It's, it's too reminiscent of my past. I, I'm I'm going to leave. So she, she leaves. Uh, she meets a Volshock shaman who takes her in. Uh, the, the wise old shaman gives her a, a rousing speech. Um, Elspeth was lost again uh, in herself. The Malays did not go unnoticed, and the Volshock berated Elspeth for her cowardice. A very red thing to do when you see a sad person is to yell at them yeah. uh, and call them a coward, <laughs> uh, telling her that she would be struck down for ignoring the enemies before her. Elspeth lamented oh, yeah. that it would take more than her death to stay the Phyrexian invasion. The Volshock told the knight that if her word is worth anything, she should be fighting instead of talking. Um, finally, something would break through Elspeth's self-pity party. Uh, she's like, you know what? Thank you for yelling at me, sir. Uh, you're right. I'm going to go find my friends. I am going to stop being depressed. This really helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, why don't, have you tried smiling? Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> hey, sweetie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, she found a shaman at a bus stop. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I told her to smile, and she was like, "Okay, okay, because yeah. that works, right?" Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah. yeah, that's all it takes. Uh, so shortly after leaving the shaman to find her friends, she realized that they had not fared very well without her. Uh, without her fighting prowess, they had fallen quickly to the Phyrexian hordes and had been taken captive. So they were like looking for Phyrexians, couldn't find them, couldn't find them. She's like, you know what? All these dark sludges are making me sad. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go check that hut over there. She walks off in the <laughs> hut, and they literally like walk around the next bend, and there's just like a group of Phyrexians in the middle of eating dinner, just like look up at them, like. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they they get taken taken captive, taken prisoner. She tracks their locations. She makes her way to where they were uh, and cut a swath of destruction to them. So she is a good fighter. Uh, she's trained with the finest paladins there are. She's a powerful planeswalker. Um, with her sudden reappearance, the trio overwhelmed their captors and made good their escape. She prepared to finally put her fears to rest, not knowing the sheer number of the forces arrayed against them. Because she is, uh, sorry, Venser is officially a planeswalker now. So this was three planeswalkers versus Phyrexians, which no matter how strong, are not planeswalkers, right? It's just a bunch of gross machines that yeah. had kidnapped them. There, there, there can be planeswalkers among the Phyrexians, but, the, yeah. you know, your grunts are not... Uh, are not um, 
Yeah, the fun. cute Phyrexian couple on their checkered picnic blanket that just that they stumbled across out in the romantic swamp area. Exactly. Are not are not planeswalkers. No. <laughs> most 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 Phyrexian planeswalkers would summon Phyrexians via their planeswalker magic to fight for them, right? Right. Venser like knows the ins and outs of their their robot stuff too. So like one's coming at him, he could like dodge, switch a couple wires in the back, and all of a sudden he's a Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get that cat? Uh <laughs> So Elspeth, Venser, and Koth travel to a place known as the Vault of Whispers, where they witness the emergence of a Phyrexian army that was invading the surface. So they're like, Koth was like, see, I friggin' told you there was something brewing under the surface. And sure enough, there's this vault that leads deep underground, and they, they see this uh, army emerging from it, much like Frodo, Sam, and Gollum at the gates of uh, Angbar. Uh, what was that? Angband. Was that? Yeah, Angband. The, uh, Angband. the roguelite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so Elspeth froze, being so close to the Phyrexians, of course, remembering her young life spent as a plaything to the abhorrent creatures. Although, just so we don't get called out, I think it's Minas Morgul in, yeah. at the end of that, yeah, with the, the steps to the spider. Yeah, it, it's definitely not Angband. Uh, that was another one of those cities. Um, once the army had passed, Elspeth refound her composure, uh, and the group set out for the interior of the vault, following what's called the Mirror, uh, an automaton, automaton created by Memnarch. Uh, but this one was secretly being controlled by a man named Tezzeret. Now, I don't think we've ever talked about Tezzeret before. Um, if we if we have, it would have been on the Jace episode very briefly, and I, pro- I probably didn't have it in the script, just tangented to mention Tezzeret a bit. So, okay. Um, so is he remotely controlling Memnarch's... It's like a steward robot, basically, like a butler robot? It's, it's not a steward robot. It's j- like, it's not... Memnark has no connection to it. It's just a robot Memnark made. Yeah, oh, okay, like, okay. Like, Memnark produced a robot, or, you know, tinkers with shit like anybody else, is producing all this, like, artificial life himself. And, you know, the Mirror are a class of robot that Memnark has produced, essentially. Okay. Uh, so they find one willing to show them the way into the Vault of Secrets. Uh, or the Vault of Whispers, excuse me. So in in they go. Uh, until they found the Lord of the Vault of Whispers and a commander of the Phyrexians, uh, a man named Geth of the Seven Steel Thanes of New Phyrexia. Uh, New Phyrexia is not not a thing yet. I just thought that was a very cool title. Yeah. (laughs) Geth the Seven what now? Geth of the Seven Steel Thanes of New Phyrexia. So uh, a Steel Thane is, is, I guess, the title, and there's seven of them, so he's, he's one of the seven. Um, yeah, the, Thane is a, a ruler of some kind. Yeah, I think, like uh, I know from Skyrim because there's Thane the Jarl. Run, yeah. yeah, you're the Jarl, and then they have the Thanes who serve them, right? All yeah. I know is Thanes have terrible posture. <laughs> <laughs> you seen in, in Skyrim? They're always just sitting way back in their chair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I was thinking because dark forces were whispering that whispering to them and telling them that posture was just a made up thing. <laughs> that too. That too. <laughs> Uh, no posture checks in New Phyrexia. Uh, so <laughs> New Phyrexia isn't a thing yet. I'm going to guess this guy doesn't have this title at this point. Um, but it's just for any of the people out there who, who've seen the card, Geth. Um, that's a name drop for you, I guess. It could be like a twinkle in their many horrible eyes. That like a thing that they want to establish, right? Yeah, pretty pretty much probably. Yeah. Um, so they, they see Geth. They, they don't alert him to their presence, uh, but they follow him deeper until they eventually stumble into an abattoir. Uh, Phyrexian bushers were busy carving up flesh to meld with machines and create more metal monsters. 
Whether in a fit of rage or as a response to getting caught, uh, the group fought. Uh, Elspeth carved through them with her blade, but they would eventually be outnumbered. Forced to retreat, the group dove into what is described in the wiki as a meat shaft. And I don't know... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why whoever wrote the wiki decided to use the term meat shaft. But... uh, (laughs) I like it. Uh, this might be one of the only episodes where we use a title that I wrote down beforehand, which was just <laughs> Down the Meat Shaft. <laughs> uh, but who knows? Uh, I said another one on this episode, which I've already forgotten. But if I uh, end up on editing, set, yeah. on <laughs> set, they needed, they needed a double for Willem Dafoe's Meat Shaft. <laughs> meat Shaft, exactly. <laughs> so using the Meat Shaft to explode out of the vault, the trio found themselves under the surface of Meriden and thinking they might find Karn deeper. They continued toward Mirrodin's core. Uh, what they the st- irony of carving up butchers is lost on these three, right? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> it, the, mm. the moment passes. None of them. None of them reflects too too harshly about it. Yeah, one of them is just like, I gotta write that joke down. <laughs> <laughs> um, what they found at Mirrodin's core was not Karn. Instead, uh, they found a world infested deep with the Phyrexian sickness. To the center of the world, they found traces of the horrible experiments wrought by the machines on the flesh of the plane's inhabitants. So while Koth had battled Phyrexians when he was young, while his tribe was, was you know, decimated by them, uh, it seems like they are truly, you know, festering under the surface. They're like an iceberg uh, on Meriden. Ugh. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the Titanic hit all that frozen meat and then killed all those people. So... They've hollowed out the planet. All right, it's a plane. I don't know if they're round or whatever, but essentially they've hollowed out the planet and created like a like Genesis core of like Phyrexian yeah, material. It just basically. seems it's like they, they just keep going down and as far as they go, it's just more tunnels full of okay. horrible meat monsters. More yeah, meat metal monsters. Yeah. Worse meat monsters. Looks like Ed Gein's house. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> So they on their way down, they eventually run into Tezzeret, the the man who'd been controlling the mirror and had uh, guided them into the vault of uh, vault of whispers, uh, right. who, who volunteers to guide them deeper. Uh, he he's them, not a Phyrexian, right? He's a regular guy. He's he's a complicated man. Okay, uh, okay. he does have one metal arm, much like uh, I think he's a Volshock himself, actually. Uh, okay. I, I didn't go too deep into him because I, I was kind of getting to the end of the script. I I could do a full episode on Tezzeret someday. Okay. Uh, He's eventually an agent of Bolas. He's a friend of Jace at some point. He's like he's all over the place for sure. A lot of hats. We'll get into that eventually. Yeah, a lot of hats. Many of them evil, as far as I know. I haven't looked into it too much, but oh. for for now, he seems to be helping them. Uh, so he offers to guide them deeper. He led the companions to a surgery room, not to be confused with a, uh, a butcher a butchery, but um, where Elspeth. Yeah, well, he, well, here they wipe down the tools. It's different. Yeah, so. exactly. They sterilize them. Uh, That's the distinction. So, so they get there. Elspeth, angered by the sight of more Phyrexians experimenting on creatures, flies into a rage and once more clears the room of all Phyrexian life. Um, they freed a Mirren-born girl named Malira from the cages, whom Tezzeret said was his gift to them. Malira was completely immune to phyresis, the process by which Phyrexians infected living matter. So they found, uh, they found Ellie from The Last of Us, you know, the, the immune, yeah. the immune oh, okay. girl uh, in, yeah. in the camp here. So the Phyrexians are kind of like the Illithid a little bit, eh? Uh, I mean... They, like, break down material and then, like, infect people. Because I know, like, they don't breed. They, like, put a little squid in your head and it grows out of your body. But, like, so if you were immune to that, it's a little 
Yeah, it's. I mean, illithids specifically breed very rarely. They eat like once a month, and they will occasionally decide to turn somebody into a mind flayer. But it's like extremely, okay. extremely rare that new mind flayers are created. Most of them just came on their nautilus-shaped uh, spaceship. Yeah. Back, back whenever, and they're they're all still kicking from then. It is most of them right? Um, over thousands of years, obviously, there's been plenty of new ones that have been created, and adventurers playing D and D have killed plenty of their own, I'm sure. Uh, but they find they find this young girl. They say, uh, "Okay, thanks, Tezzeret. Uh, we're good here. We've seen what we need to see. Let's let's get addle, huh?" Yeah, and it only gets worse. That was good to know. Yeah. Thank you. They, they begin traveling back towards the surface, but were surrounded and attacked by a massive force of Phyrexians. During the battle, Elspeth was the center of the Phyrexians' attention, slaying most of them and creating piles of dead around her so high that the other companions regularly lost sight of her. Which I just thought was a cool oh, detail shit. to include. <laughs> uh, she's she's full Rambo at this point. Uh, you don't just turn it off. <laughs> I of uh, from Malazan that book we read where where like they're fighting waves and waves of these enemies and they fill this whole building yeah. with dead bodies yeah. to the point where the bloat is like messing with the the structure yeah holy all the, shit all, all the seepage yeah. the tennis gallery the uh the cannibal hordes of the tennis gallery uh, oh, great, great books can't recommend them enough uh yeah. that one in particular is memories of ice yeah um eventually the group manages to battle their way to the surface and there they saw what they most feared, that the terraforming of the surface of Mirrodin was well underway by a Phyrexian horde. So they kind of pop out in a different spot, and they're like, oh, here's all the war factories, you know? Like, okay, I was going to say, were they not on the surface when they arrived, but they've essentially dug through to China and then saw that the rest of the planet is being... Yeah, I mean... For me, it was unclear. Again, I haven't read the books. Maybe they spent more time okay. underground than I thought. Maybe she spent okay. more time with the shaman than I thought. I I, I don't know. But whatever okay. it is, that army that was coming out is now in full force, infecting people, and presumably other armies probably struck at the same time. Uh, so they're they're transforming the surface now. The place okay. they emerged to was known as the Furnace Lair, a spot on Meriden beneath its red sun, where molten slag was tended to, and the remaining scraps of Meriden were being transformed into the hellish hand hellish landscape of what would come to be known as new phyrexia ah i was right they would they were just ambitious yeah like lord they just would they just like well they they weren't like looking for a home basically that they were just gonna call new phyrexia yeah Poor so, Elspeth, eh? like she just gets stuck smack dab in the middle of her worst nightmare yeah pretty much i mean I, she kind of went looking for it to be fair but yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, she has a hard life. Well, uh, I'll continue this series uh, on my next episode um, with new Phyrexia. Uh, old Phyrexia was destroyed in the Phyrexian invasions, so uh, they don't really have that home anymore. And um, we'll go. We'll start to look into the new Phyrexia arc. Uh, maybe we'll find Karn in the quest for Karn, and uh, hopefully we will. I mean, I say hopefully. I, I really enjoy these episodes, but uh, maybe we'll wrap it up next time. Maybe it'll take two or three more. Um, but if you guys like the episode, please let me know. Please give me that feedback because uh, I'm never sure. Uh, I think the last time when we did Jessica, we tried to put them closer together. Like, I think you guys ended up skipping some weeks. But uh, you guys is in Peter and Jamie, not you guys, the listeners. Um, I think Peter and Jamie ended up skipping some weeks, but I, I could have that wrong, too. Um, I did, but I had stuff going on. That was like summer 2019 where there was yeah. like yeah. medical stuff that I had to take I care of. I was living in Mexico and Peter skipped a week and we did like a double week of... Uh, yeah. Jessica, yeah. yeah, if you guys like these, I could I could probably pump them out quicker, too, uh, if we wanted to do them more back-to-back. If you guys don't like the magic episodes, you can also let us know that. Just go to the Discord, loreboys.com slash about. 
Uh, and all of the links to all our stuff is there. You can get in touch with us any of those ways. Discord is the place we're all the most active on. We, we love to chat with you guys. Have good fun. We'll hop on the Minecraft server sometimes and jump into voice chat and just chat with you guys. Uh, we, we'll sometimes throw the streams on there if we don't feel like streaming on Twitch. Uh, so do come say hello. Uh, Peter, is there anything you would like to plug this week? Uh, at Loreboys Podcast on Instagram, I believe is the only link that is not... Uh at loreboys.com slash about because the desktop site of Instagram is worthless. It's just an app, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else is there. Send us emails through contact or through loreboyspodcast at gmail.com. We got a nice little burst recently, which was very nice, and we're still uh, saving up our email pennies for our uh, our mailbag episode, which should be coming soonish. TM. Yeah. Um, and that's it uh, from me, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, I think that, 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 that's it. I think we're just waiting for, uh, at this point, we're probably just waiting for uh, our own motivation to, to get it done more than anything. But uh, you, you, def- <laughs> you definitely have time to sneak in a couple more of those emails. And uh, again, we love to hear from you guys. We'd love to read what you guys have to say. It can be silly. You can be taking the piss out of us. It can be uh, genuine. It can be earnest. It can be whatever you like. Uh, and if you have any other things that you'd like to hear, um, you can also send us, uh, send us those. Send us your suggestions. We'd love to hear them. Uh, James, what about you, buddy? yeah send us some more of those hot and fresh emails we've got a few i'd like to see more uh also if you'd like to play some games together you can find me on steam j-a-y-m-i-l-k j-milk and uh if you buy me games i won't turn them down <laughs> <laughs> now that's how you shill okay yeah uh so anybody wants to support us financially we do have a patreon patreon.com slash dollar boys um yeah. really got to put this on a post-it note on my on my computer monitor somewhere or something because i i stumble on it with a question mark (laughs) um patreon.com slash the lore boys we have a couple tiers one of them is i think three bucks a month uh uh, but if you can't afford anything don't feel bad um the best way to support us is to leave us a review uh for sure um tell your friends we were we're mostly looking at growth um shows costs are pretty much covered the extra compensation is certainly nice and we'd love to translate it into doing more stuff for you guys uh it's mostly like i said before about finding the energy and coming up with the ideas um that said if you don't trust patreon we do offer an alternative service uh we always have uh called uh lore boys uh, prime where uh you guys send us uh a, a small stipend i guess you could say i guess you could call it a small allowance uh you know five bucks a week uh, as long as we do all our chores and uh, we'll give you something in return. So uh, mail your $5 uh, to us and then we'll send back a confirmation that we've done our chores. And for Lore Boys Prime, uh, we're offering uh, a very exclusive. So all of us recently, uh, through completely, uh, through complete coincidence, all of us uniquely got our heads trapped in stone. Um, <laughs> so I, I was messing around. I was trying to uh, sneak my head through the wall in the boys' locker room so I could I could peek on the cute boys taking a shower, uh, and I ended up getting my head stuck in the stone, and it took the shape of my face. Uh, so I'll be I'll be sending that that mold, I guess you'd call it, to uh, whoever sends us $5. Uh, it's a cast in that a, case. A cast, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, how did you guys, uh, remind me, how did you guys get your head stuck in, in stone again this week? So I was wearing this really pointy hat, and I had a bunch of, like, concrete on a shelf, and I was bobbing for apples. Okay, and yeah. as I went down, my pointy hat cut the bag of concrete, and it um, fell into the water. Into the water, yeah. right. But I was stuck in that pile of concrete, but at least I had a tasty apple to eat while I was in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, more than Vencer had, right? Uh, Pete, what about, what about you? How'd you get your head stuck, buddy? 
Uh, it was my own misfortune. Uh, I got a little too, too ambitious for a costume party. Uh, turns out, though, it's January, not October. So I was way fucking early Wait, for Halloween. What? It and is? I can't. Uh, I can't get it off. I, I, COVID, you know, fucks with time, and I just, you know, yeah. it all kind of blends together. I didn't realize. So, so are um, are you late or are you early? <laughs> ah, what is time? <laughs> was, was this was this a Halloween twenty twenty uh, costume or was this a Halloween twenty twenty one costume? Dara Dara had been talking about couples costumes just recently, and I just got it in my head that it was time to go. And uh, uh, right, right, yeah. So she's, that's, like, that's... she's like, I'm gonna go as Betty Bop. You're like, I'm gonna go as Concrete Head. <laughs> the classic I'm going duo. The character from Magic the Gathering I have not heard of until the future from now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, send us your five dollars. We'll send you a confirmation that we've done our chores, and three lucky winners will receive concrete casts of our heads. Yes. Uh, and I guess on that note, we can say that is a lore boys. Lore boys. Lore boys out. Lore boys, get me out of this concrete. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.